Welcome to Empowered by Women for Women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Mvintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Today's guest is an outstanding artist. She recently held a stunning, sold-out exhibition at Abba called Gatherings. Debbie Manelli paints people, landscapes, objects, scenes, but whatever she does, she creates atmosphere and emotion. Debbie, thank you so much for being here on Empowered today. How are you? Hi, Trudy. I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> well, thank you. People don't often ask that. I'm fine, thank you very much indeed. Um, it's really good to have you on this podcast because you are a woman but you're also an outstanding artist as well so I want to kick off by setting the scene for anybody who doesn't know you what kind of artist are you what materials do you use what size are your works and what are the sort of things that you mostly paint so that's a big variety actually I like to paint most things um, I like painting landscapes I like painting people I like painting well not so much um Object drawings. That's one subject I don't. I tend to shy away from. I find it not very inspiring. Um, I like doing the live model because it's a great um, exercise in in practicing your drawing skills in whatever medium you decide to choose. So I like varying my work a lot, which was um, actually a bit of a challenge on this last exhibition I did. Um, because I had to stick to a team and I like to wake up in the morning and decide <laughs> what I'm going to be painting that day. So it really varies. Um, but is it paint that you're mostly working in? Yes, I like using water-based oils mainly. Although I did try many different mediums. Um, I trained as an art teacher at the University of Malta. So they train you, you know, besides um, teaching you how to teach kids, you also need to kind of mastered the techniques so I tried different techniques but now that I've been painting for the past five years or so I tend to uh, gravitate towards water-based oils because I start off a painting by using a lot of water so you have the transparency of you know the watercolor almost and then build up your painting with impasto so you have this wide range that it offers you know so I that's my preferred medium although I do like acrylics well not so much anymore let's say I used to like them <laughs> before I also like charcoal quite a bit uh, but probably that's my preferred medium and this is what you would be well known for is water-based oils? I would say yes. In the past five years, I've been like showing my works and um, introducing it to the public. That's what I mostly work in. I did, like this last exhibition I did, I had about four watercolours. I wasn't almost sure whether I should put them in or not because I'm not that confident with watercolour. But my curator, Melanie Erickson, when she came to my studio, she loved them. She said, oh yes, you should definitely include these in your collection. And I kind of reluctantly did. But then when you see people coming in and looking at them, the reaction was very positive. So maybe I should give watercolour a bit of a chance now, maybe in summer, because it's a very easy medium to, to handle. And even if you go outdoor painting with watercolour, you don't carry so many things with you. So obviously you've got your water-based oils. You've got your now your watercolours, and you talked about a whole bunch of other 
different types of mediums as well. What size are we talking about? Because I want to give everybody who's listening a really good idea of what you do. Are we talking large pieces of work or are we talking small, intricate pieces? Well, initially, I kind of started with bigger sizes. So it would vary between, I don't know, one meter by 50 or... Probably the biggest canvas I did, which was quite recent, was a two meter by two meter canvas. I do love a big space to paint on. Because as you can see here, I use my hands a lot, even if I'm talking. <laughs> so you can imagine me painting. You actually saw me when I was painting. You know, I use all my body to kind of put the brushwork on the canvas. So a bigger canvas allows you to do that. Whereas a small canvas doesn't really, you know, you're very restricted with space. So I reached a point about two or three years ago when I decided um, I should go smaller in size just to challenge myself, just to try something new. And um, after coming from China, I was um, invited to go to China on this um, cultural um, uh, event. And we came back, we had to do an exhibition about experience there and our interpretation of China. So, and I decided to do smaller canvases, like a 20 by 20, which, you know, representing 20 each day. 20 centimeters by 20 centimeters, re representing each day in canvas, almost like a photograph of every day spent there. And that was a big challenge for me. So if you have to ask me, like, what size you prefer, I prefer the biggest, you know, a, a larger size. I feel more comfortable doing that um, because I think most of my work is kind of expressive. You and are a very expressive, animated, <laughs> lovely lady. I mean, that's part of you. That's part of your charm. But you see that also in your works. I want to push a little bit further on with regards to the type of work that you do. You've mentioned that you, you do landscapes. So we're going to come to that a little bit later on. But before we get there, tell me about uh, the exhibition that you've just had, Gatherings. Because that, to me, defines you. Well, it probably defines me where I am now. I'm hoping, you know, as I move along, it would be something different. But for now, I still can't believe this happened. Honestly, the reaction was incredible. Um, I never expected such, such a, a welcoming, you know, from the general public. Everybody came, well, a lot of people came to see it, even people from Gozo, just for the exhibition. I don't want to brag or anything. Um, I just, I'm overwhelmed, really, by the response that people had to this exhibition. Never expected it in my... And the exhibition was what? <laughs> what, what? What were you painting? Basically, it was people in silhouettes. So there's no gender, there is no identity to them, and they're in different situations, kind of semi-abstract in style. It was almost an excuse for me to do... Uh, to develop a new sort of visual language till where I arrived today, let's put it that way. And it, it all started because of these lockdowns we had. I suddenly had to stop going to these workshops I attend. I go to life class, we paint portraits, so I attend a lot of different workshops or paint en plein air. Suddenly this all stopped, you know, and I had all this time in my studio in Balzan and I had to decide what to do. So this is how it all originated. Without thinking I'm going to be doing uh, a solo exhibition until Melanie Erickson saw my posts on Facebook. I'm quite active on Facebook. She said, oh, I can see something happening here. Perhaps you want to come and have a look at this space we have in Im Abba. I went, I had a look. I love the space. I also like that it's a new place. Mine was the third exhibition that happened in this area. I also 
thought that the room was so intimate, it almost reflected what we kind of went through, you know, during our lockdowns. We were all sort of confined to our little rooms or bedrooms or kitchens, to our houses. So that was almost like an extension of the exhibition. <laughs> but it's interesting you saying that because you this beautiful exhibition is of gatherings of people in the middle of the pandemic. When you look at it, there's a it evokes that feeling of gathering of people coming together and that sort of feeling that we really haven't been able to experience for a long time. Was that intentional or was it subliminal? Um, possibly. I think that, that this team kind of found me, you know. I don't think I planned it <laughs> at all. It kind, of, it kind of found me, I would say. But it did work and people did miss it as much as I did. I just kind of transmitted it in my work and the reaction was phenomenal, I would say. Yeah. The irony is you had to have limited yes. number of people to come and see the exhibition at any one time. Yes. Before we talk about anything else, and I have a feeling we could be here for a very long time, I want to just ask you how you became an artist. What is your background? How did you become a full-time artist? How old were you when you made that decision? Where did you start from? So I started at a very young age. My dad is a stone sculptor. He works in churches and he restores interiors and exteriors of churches. So that's how it all started. I think I, as a young girl, I used to see him drawing a lot on these big papers and then using his hands to transform, you know, the limestone into something else. And that I found exciting. I still do actually to today, till today. I find anything created by human hands, something extraordinary, it just fascinates me. So as a young age, I just remember myself drawing all the time. Then I went to university, decided to study uh, being an art teacher, and I practiced that for about three years until I had my first born, Noah. And I stopped for a couple of years. Then I had my second child, and I thought, okay, I will be a full-time mummy until he grows a bit. So when the decision time came to go back to work as a teacher or paint, I came across uh, a workshop on Facebook done by Debbie Caruana Dingley and Tonya Malia. And, and I said, I'm going to give this a go because I always really wanted to just paint. And I went. Debbie was kind enough to tell me, okay, we're full, but we can squeeze you in, you know, and I went and I absolutely loved it. I think I was the nerd in class because she used to give us homework every week and I was the first one finishing it and so excited, you know, to share it with everyone. I still am, actually. Anything I do, old, I want to share. How old were you at that point? I was, well, this is about five years ago. This all started about five years ago. And then that was it, you know, and then uh, you start making friends. I decided to host a uh, first solo exhibition a year after. And then I got to know Andrew Borge, who we became very good friends. And we, one thing just leads to another. And um, new experiences open new doors. And here I am today. <laughs> Which is brilliant, because you obviously love what you do. Yes. Let me go back again. I just want to go back to you being an art teacher. Yes. And deciding that arts was going to be your path. Because we hear this an awful lot. In Malta, arts are not recognised as much as other careers and other vocations. So perhaps if you are a lawyer or an accountant, that, that might be considered to be a serious grown-up job. Did you ever feel, when you made that choice, that you wanted to pursue the arts? Probably not from family because of what your father does, but from friends, that they questioned what you did. 
Not really. And I wouldn't say arts aren't recognized. I think uh, arts are recognized. They're just not maybe paid enough. But, but as arts, we entertain ourselves every day with arts. I mean, uh, if you have a home, you want to put paintings that you love on that home. If you're watching TV, people are involved in the arts. To become an actor, you need to study how to become an actor, or if you want to be a good actor, at least. I couldn't agree more. I absolutely couldn't agree more. But it would seem that at the moment, the arts are the last to recover from the pandemic and perhaps are not given as much credibility as other disciplines. Whereas over the pandemic, when we were locked in at home, it was the arts that sustained us. It was your movies on Netflix, or it was listening to the radio, listening to music, that painting on the wall, scooting through social media where you've got beautiful photographs. That is all creativity. So I'm not suggesting for one second it is not credible, absolutely on the contrary. But it's whether or not people consider that and whether they make that recognition between the fact that the arts is that important. For me, it's my lifestyle, it's my life. And it is very important to me. This is how I live my week. If I had to tell you what I do during the week on a Monday, I would, okay, clean house on Monday, boring, whatever. But in the afternoon, I'll be painting, finishing a commission usually. Tuesday, same thing. I'll be trying to find something new to paint. Wednesday, I normally paint the model. Thursday, I normally do a portrait sitting like we did together. And Friday, I would go, um, what do I normally do on a Friday? I forgot. (laughs) But there's something, oh no, Saturday. Normally, we used to go out on uh, on Saturday mornings to paint um, en plein air. So for me, it is, it is how I live my life. It's a lifestyle. I don't know about other people, what they think of in general. I, but I, no one's ever questioned it. Everyone's always supported you. Yes, I think I was very lucky to have great friends who do support me a lot. I was very lucky to maybe meet people who support me throughout, including you know, my family, my husband, uh, great friends. So I never had that resistance you know, from anybody in my life, telling me not to do it. Even my kids, my kids were super happy that I paint for, for I'm even growing up at a young age, coming from school, mommy, can you draw this for me and for them? You know, I could draw, I don't know, a fairy. It, it felt like I have magic powers, which I don't really, <laughs> but for them, you could see it in their eyes that they were, yes, they look up to me and say, wow, you can draw. And I think it's a great skill to have and anybody can do that. It's just a matter of practice. You're suggesting anybody could be an artist. I'm suggesting anybody can draw if they, you know, put time into it. It's like, it's a skill. It's like learning how to play the piano. It's like learning how to play the guitar. Drawing is a skill and you can build it up with many, many hours of practice. Yes, and there's no cheating in it. Um, I mean, if you choose to project your work and and trace it, that's just cheating to me. And I'm dead against it. But if you practice and practice... You, yes, you'll get there. But you are one of those people that are naturally talented as an artist because we aren't all artists. We aren't all creatives. And I think that's the beauty of of the metrics of society is that we have some people who are and some people who aren't. Some people who who make great lawyers and... Accountants, as I mentioned, and thank goodness we have them, but they're not, and not everybody is creatively led. You've obviously taken it a step further from just being an art teacher to making it your career <laughs> and making it your life. Do you ever get up in the morning and you just don't want to paint a picture? Oh, yes. <laughs> 
absolutely. It just becomes like another sort of job. But most days, thankfully, I don't get that. Uh, but yes, I do hit walls. And when they, they hit you, uh, it can be a matter of, I don't know, a couple of weeks sometimes, which is quite um, uh-huh, hard to, to go through, I would say. Yes, where, does I did. That, where does that come from? Why? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, last time this happened was after my first solo exhibition. Um, you know, you get into such a hype and you get people's reactions because I want to share my work with everyone, you know. So just interacting with people, you get on a high almost. So, you know, going back into my studio, all quiet, I just couldn't paint anymore. I almost convinced myself that I couldn't paint. That kind of um, passed after a couple of weeks. So, yes, it does happen. You just have to persevere, even just drawing a small sketch. Sometimes I do it as I'm waiting for the kettle to boil in the morning or... You know, I have sketchbooks all over the house and I just, yeah, I just draw and, and the more you practice, the better you become at it, just like anything else, I think. You mentioned something before about this exhibition of these silhouettes, of these, these gatherings, these people coming to you rather than you looking for that concept. Of all of the different styles of, of artworks that you produce, whether it be a landscape, whether it be a portrait, which I've seen you do, or whether it be these more ob- abstract pieces, which comes most naturally? Which is the one that you're like, darn it, I'm going to go out and do a landscape and that's really peasy easy? Or are they all challenging? That's a tricky question. Sometimes it just happens. Some days you, you, know, you want to do a, a painting of whatever and it just happens and it just really works on canvas instantly. Some other days, total opposite, you just make a big mess and you, oh, how many canvases I ruined. (laughs) And I just painted over them and it's just recycling. It doesn't matter. Um, But I I wish I can tell, you know, when those good days are going to happen because that would be the days I pick to paint. But it just doesn't happen like that, you know. (laughs) You don't know. Some days it works, some days it doesn't. But the more you practice the drawing skills and your ideas, the more fluent you become with the paintbrushes, it, the paintbrush almost becomes part of your your hand, your your expression. And my work is very expressive, or at least I try to make it very expressive. So even a brush stroke, I use, you know, on my my body sometimes just to do a brush stroke on the canvas. And I think that that shows ultimately in in the result. It's interesting that you say that because I have in the past spoken to Henry Falzon, who doesn't use brushes for that very reason, because he doesn't feel like he has control of the brush and what's going to happen to it because it has a life of its own. Now, let's go back again, because I keep referencing back to this exhibition that you've just had. It's a it's a solo exhibition. There's no one else to hide behind. Was it nerve wracking? Was it terrifying or was it just simply exciting it was very exciting from beginning to end the only nerve-wracking bit about it was these interviews that I had to do <laughs> you know these I um, I find myself I'm a better listener and a better observer than I am at talking you know having to do an interview on Meander on Maltarty and the worst one was on Campus FM she had to call me at eight o'clock in the morning uh, and I was waiting for this phone call I was going to faint but <laughs> she got it lasted five minutes but I get so nervous that was the only nervous bit about it the rest was amazing meeting you know old friends and and people I never met before and talking about the works and uh, no that's that's fantastic that's the best but this part is incredible of it. <laughs> because you're shy and nervous about an interview when you're such an outgoing <laughs> and animated person and yet having your 
pieces of work on the on the walls for everybody to see and to have an opinion about bearing in mind not everybody likes everything you had no issue with that you could bear bear your soul visually but struggled to tell people on an interview yes I think I prefer talking through the brushes than I do through words but yes I have no problem with that um I, uh, it doesn't matter what people think about the works. It, it does to a point, but as in it doesn't really matter personally because what I put out there was what I wanted to say. And whether people like it or not, that's up to them really, not up to me. I do like to hear different opinions, of course, and criticism is what makes you develop. So I like to hear the good and the bad. It's not all, oh, wow, wow, wow. I also love to hear, actually, people telling me, maybe you should have done this in a different color or, or the format isn't so great on this composition. Uh, yes, um, so I appreciate criticism, absolutely. Well, you mentioned there about the freedom as an artist, but you also mentioned earlier on about commissions. Yeah. <laughs> which is not freedom as an artist. You're working within the constraints of what somebody has asked you to do. Does that ever go wrong? How, how easy is that to work with? Okay, so commissions. I, last year I decided I'm not going to take any more commissions because they do, I feel, uh, suck my energy out, literally. Some of them are kind fairly easy to, to, to handle, but sometimes if you have a portrait, for example, or um, uh, not the live portraits that we, we did, a portrait from a photo and you don't know the person, I find that a bit of, of a challenge because I'd like to know the person I'm painting. So there's a, you know, in that case, I don't really connect. So I find a bit of a struggle to transmit onto canvas so portraits I mean commissions can go either way sometimes I really enjoy them but sometimes I find them extremely hard to do it it depends and it's it's never it's very temperamental this sort of thing I find well a bit like me really so <laughs> so what are the commissions that you normally get asked to do you mentioned portraits are they generally speaking portraits no I get a uh, different commissions I get portraits I get a lot I used to get a lot of pet portraits in the beginning when I started painting um, I also get landscapes, um, seascapes, which I love doing. Uh, so yes, there's a variety. M mostly that would be something personal to the client who is buying the art. Um, if you do a, an exhibition, then it's almost easier for me because what you see on the wall is what people are going to buy. With a commission, it's almost like you need to put yourself into the client's mind to try to understand what they really want from you. Because okay, they know your style and they know your how you paint and this and that, but you never know, even I don't really know, the outcome of the painting. Has a commission ever, ever gone really bad? The worst commission I had to do, which was of a very good friend of mine, Teresa Camilleri, and her father wanted to surprise her on, for her birthday. It took me forever to paint her, and this is a face I know and love. I just couldn't get her. And it, I spent nights trying to paint my friend Teresa, who I know so well, and I just couldn't because there's, I don't know what happened. I just couldn't get her properly. And I'm still, till today, not happy with that portrait. So that's probably the worst uh, commission that I had. But otherwise, they went So that's bit. your worst. <laughs> but is there a single piece of artwork that you've done that you, to this day, love and you just would never let it go, or even if you have let it go, it still holds a very dear place in your heart. A lot of them are a bit like that, maybe some more than others. 
but I don't have space to keep up all my paintings, you know, and I do like sharing them with other people. And I do, yes, I like the idea that my work is in different homes. I do have a commission that is going to be given to these newlyweds. And it's incorporating my kind of older style where I have uh, seascapes, a big colorful seascape in the background and the couple walking in silhouette. So it's, it's combining, you know, the last exhibition that I did with my older style. So for me, that's quite a significant piece. The client who bought it promised me that she's going to film the reaction and I'm dying to see the reaction of, the, of this person. We'll see. But is it hard letting that go from your, your bosom of creativity <laughs> into somebody else's arms? Um, um, it, sometimes it is. I'll be lying if it's not. Uh, there is one particular one which I did when I first started painting it was in my first solo exhibition I decided not to sell it I recently decided to let it go because I moved on I doing something new now and I just don't have space for it on my wall so I saw I said why not you know just um, let go of it but that was one particular one what is it it's a landscape um, done in a, in a, at the time when I did it, it was a very, a different style from what I was painting. So it was the introduction for me to start painting slightly more minimalistic and abstract like. So the canvas is mostly bare with just a few brush strokes, very, very expressive brush strokes. So that to me kind of led the way to the rest. So, you know, you have these little ones that, um, kind of show you the road where you should be going. And those are hard to let go of. (laughs) How do we encourage more people to get involved in doing what you're doing, whether it is part-time, whether it's just a hobby, or whether there is somebody listening to this podcast who would love to be a full-time artist? How do we encourage people to let go and embrace their artistic talent? I always tell my kids, you should always do what you love. My son Isaac, he's, um, he's turning 11 and he loves dancing. He always did from a young age. And I'm so, I'm like his biggest fan, <laughs> I can imagine. So um, if somebody likes to do, to paint, it's it, just do it. But artists have that reputation of, you know, being broke and having to starve for their art and so on and so forth. That's obviously not what you found. Do you think that would stop someone from from becoming a full-time artist, from exploring it at the very least? Yes. Well, I mean, I'm lucky. I have my husband who supports me as well. I mean, financially, if I had to start off uh, as a student and just paint full-time with two kids, it might have been a bit impossible to do. It depends on the person and what you can live without. I had to make sacrifices along the way as well, like everybody else does, really. But once you set your mind to something you love, I think it will show in the end, end result. And, and that's what matters. It's living the life you want to live. For me, this is a childhood dream. Honestly, it's like, sometimes I you know, smack myself in the face saying, oh my God, I'm actually painting every day. I never imagined this going to happen. Debbie Bonello, what is next for you? Okay, so next I have a collective exhibition, um, which is going to be hosted by Gallery 23. Next year I am hosting a big exhibition with Andrew Borge and myself in Gozo. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but that's the plan so far. Thank you so much for being on Empowered and inspiring, motivating and being possibly the most flamboyant guest I've ever had. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Trude. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Cheers.